everybody. This is Thrill Seekers Radio. We are part of Authors on the Air. Uh, welcome back. This is Alex Dolan. And this week, I am really happy to be joined by uh, Lori Petro. And she's uh, a, the author of Sister of Mine, which has a, uh, a, it's a fantastic book. And it's got a really interesting story on its way to publication. Uh, Lori, you're joining us from Toronto, I think. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Um, and I'll say as an American, um, so how easy is it for me to move to Toronto right now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, as a yeah. Canadian, I'll say, <laughs> um, <laughs> we welcome you with open arms. Thank you. Thank you. That's um, our, our standard you. line, I think, as part of our directive as uh, being Canadian. Right. Um, so you, uh, Sister of Mine uh, is your first novel, and it's a, a, an amazing novel. And um, I guess to start out, tell us, uh, if people listening, tell, tell us what it's about. Uh, I like to say that it's not a whodunit. It's a what comes next. It's a story about two sisters. There's a murder, but it's on the very first page. So um, that's not a spoiler at all. It uh, is about a pair of sisters who, you know, um, the book takes place over several decades. It involves their closeness and sometimes to you know, to the point of not being able to stand each other, secrets that bind them together and pull them apart, um, secrets that they have together that they share, and then uh, secrets that they have about each other that they're keeping from one another. There's a story about... Yeah. Uh, you know, that person that you call in the middle of the night and ask them to do something and what that favor does to your relationship and to their psyche and to your psyche. I, I really, I like that description. Yeah, I, I was uh, there. I mean, there are a lot of stories. There are a lot of thrillers about family dynamics. And, and I thought this was what I loved about it. It was it, for me, it was a different take on, on family dynamics and the, you know, it was a really in for me and a really in-depth exploration of relationship between two siblings and how you can like love and absolutely hate each other and feel that filial duty to each other. And um, like, it just kind of explores all of the kind of beautiful and ugly sides of it. Um, and like, you really, you really go deep. I, and um, <laughs> so no, I, I, um, it it was a really fresh take for me on on what um, people a lot of people write about family, you know, bad things that happen in families. But this was sort of a, a this was a fresh story for me, and I so I encourage other folks to to read it. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is that you, you had when I was reading about this path to publication, it seemed like it was it was a little different than other folks because you were. Um, you won a pretty substantial um, writing con prize in a writing contest, but can you talk about like your your path to publication in this book and what it was like? Sure. I mean, it's funny people, uh, and I've written about this elsewhere, but like people always like to ask, "How long did the book take?" And you think, "Okay, like how how long do we want this conversation to take?" First of all, because <laughs> there's a short answer, and then there's a really long answer. And I don't want to bore people. And so I usually just say, you know, a couple of years. And, um, but the truth is, is that, you know, it took a lot longer than that. And so I don't know how typical that is or how, 
uh, how unique it is. Um, my circumstance is my circumstance, but you know, I am very well versed re- with rejection. So, I mean, that's one thing I like to get out there right away is that, um, you know, I, this is my second book, but it's really my third book. My second book didn't get picked up. Um, I got signed with my agent, you know, on, on the merits of my second book and then it just didn't get picked up. And, and so I went and wrote another book and that was this one and, you know, it got shopped around and there were lots of projections and then I was revising it and working on it, revising it. In the meantime, you know, you're, so much of being a writer is uh, is waiting. It is the worst part for me. It is the worst part of writing is waiting, and so you're waiting to hear back from your. You know, in my case, it was my agent via or publishers via my agent. Um, and in the meantime, I was like, okay, I'll start. I'll start submitting it to whatever contests are available to people who have unpublished work. And uh, someone who I knew from high school sent me a link on Facebook saying, you know, there's this award and then a bunch of people let me know about there's this award for books that are about the inner lives of or you know works that are about the inner lives of women and it was a big award you know fifty thousand dollars american sixty five thousand dollars canadian at the time um so i thought okay you know i'll i'll uh i'll submit for it and uh and then it won which i you know i I was absolutely floored. Uh, I was up north with my family when it happened and had to go down to the lake to get good reception and uh yeah, it was really life-changing because then things happened very rapidly after that. Um, HarperCollins wanted to look at it again, and um, and then they signed it not long after that, and then it got sold to Crooked Lane in the United States on a two-book deal. Uh, so things really changed as a result of that. So what I can say to people who are out there writing is put your work out there in contests because you never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah, and I'm happy you got picked up by Crooked Lane. I, I, I think they curate really good authors, so uh, I think you're in a you're in good company there. Um, I am in great hands. They are just doing such a bang up job. I'm so thrilled to be with them. Uh, but both sides, both with HarperCollins and Crooked Lane, I'm just I, I feel like the the luckiest writer around. Well, and you're saying that basically friends just told you about this contest, and you weren't you weren't necessarily actively looking for it. No, no, I wasn't at all, which isn't to say that I wasn't like I would go through sort of fits and starts of looking for things. You know, I don't know if this is how other people feel, but, you know, I would be like, oh, you know, I'd be in the middle of the of kind of waiting or between writing. And I would start, you know, distracting myself with, oh, I'll look for writing retreats or, oh, I'll look for courses or I'll look for groups. Or sometimes you just have to get down to it and get your ass in the seat, as Dorothy Parker says, and just write. But I mean, there are times when I was distracting myself with looking for contests and other things. And at that time, I wasn't. But I'm surprised I hadn't already <laughs> dug it up myself because I was on the regular looking for things like that. How, I mean, are, do you submit to other contests at this point? Or are you, are you just kind of... On no, the- I, um, I'm trying to stay, stay pretty focused. And uh, I have, I usually at this point have my work cut out for me of things that I'm doing. Like I said, this was the book, the deal with Crooked Lane was two book deal. So I just finished um, my, my next book and uh, had to shoot that their way. And um, so I, I've had stuff to do for sure. How different is Mr. of Mine from the, your, your previous book? The one that you got. Oh, enti- entirely different. Oh, the one, no, Strill of Mine is the one that I won the award for. You no, know, I know, I know. But the, the one that oh. you picked up but, but didn't sell. How, oh, uh, yeah. very different. But I guess I would say when you were talking about the family dynamic and the family relationships, I mean, that's what interests me. And that's what, they, that's what those two books had in common. 
Um, but it was sort of like, it was like a, a starter book, a practice book. Like, I don't feel, I don't feel any need to dust it off and revise it and bring it back out again. I, I feel like I learned a lot from working on that, but I know how to write a better book now and I've written a better book and that's, it's, it's, it's sort of dead to me, which is fine. Like I don't, I, I shed no tears over it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say that it had what it had in common would be those family relationships, which are what are always interesting to me. I'm not, I don't read um, a lot of suspense or thriller books, actually. <laughs> I hope you don't take offense to that. But, um, and so sometimes I don't really consider my book a thriller. You know, I didn't set out to really write a thriller. And to me, someone said to me the other day that it feels like a, a love story between the two sisters. And in some ways, that's how I approached it. You know, it's about them to me and what what subsequently happened is thrilling but I didn't set out to write a thriller so this is something we talk about a lot on this show with with different authors and and um I I'm the same way I I uh my my books have been categorized as thrillers uh I didn't I I embrace that as a way I mean it's a it's a marketing structure to be able to mm-hmm. put with readers mm-hmm. And, and so long absolutely as- and you can find your book in different parts of the bookstore i mean i can walk around and my book will be on a summer reads table or on a thriller table or on a you know sometimes a local author table or on canlet or in the literary fiction section i mean the great thing about crossing genre is that it just means that your book can be in different places and and this particular show embraces uh, kind of the, this huge umbrella of what can be construed as thriller. So it could be mm-hmm. uh, everything from family dynamics to um, the apocalypse to uh, right. the romance through thrillers and period pieces. And, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you know, when I talk to folks, everyone has their own opinion of it, of whether it's the tone, you know, what makes a thriller? Is it the tone of tension that's, that it sets or, uh, you know, there are people at there are different schools of thought, but mainly, you know, there are people that seem to gravitate towards like some amount of tension and mm-hmm. um, basically putting your characters in situations that you and I would, would rather avoid um, mm-hmm. how they'd get out of it. And uh, so, you know, for, for that, this kind of falls into that because it feels yeah, like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, both of your characters, uh, you know, are kind of put into intractable, intractable situations um, that a rational person would never want to be in. Um, when you when you do research for something that's that's this close to home, that's this, you know, this this relatable to to uh, our lives. How how do you like what what draws you to this kind of story? Uh, I think it's the kind of story that I like to read. Um, you know, when you were describing the variety of, of books that fall into the, you know, thriller or thrilling category, I was thinking about um, like Kate Atkinson, uh, her books, her book, Life After Life, you know, it has that, that feeling gothic or The Essex Serpent is one that I read recently, which, you know, again, is sort of a gothic, you know, something that's just maybe creepy or has an interesting hook. Life after life is about someone being kind of born again and again and being able to rectify and change history over time. You know, these great hooks. So those those kinds of books I love to read. I love um, I love books that have some escalating tension, some aspect of family drama, um, some really unique relationships. And so because as a reader, that's what I'm drawn to. Um, I think as a writer, that's that's where I go to when I'm writing. Um, in terms of research, maybe it's because I'm an academic, but 
don't do tons of research when I'm writing. I tend to kind of lean on the, my real life and just turn up, dial it up a lot more. Right. Well, so as a, as a university professor, um, one of the, uh, well, let me pick your brain. So when you talk about Gothic, how do you, how do you find a goth, how do you define a Gothic story? Oh, I'm not an English professor. <laughs> what? I said, I'm not an English professor. <laughs> um, how do I find a Gothic? Um, You've read a book or two, though. Like, <laughs> I've read a book or two. Uh, I would say dark. Uh, there's there's some moors. There's uh, a, um, you know literally dark sometimes. Sometimes historical. Something that's kind of uh, twisted or brings out the worst in us. People put into bad situations where um, they have to sort of dig themselves out. Unsympathetic characters sometimes. Um, people have said that, um, that in, re- in reading my book, they couldn't decide which sister, uh, some have said which sister they hated the most or which sister they liked the most, but that it changed as time went on. And I think that that, that's something a little bit gothic, something where you start to get that, uh, under your skin kind of creepy feeling as the book goes on where you feel unnerved or unsettled or disoriented, but it's not like a, you know, as my son would describe it, it's not a jump scare. It's creepy. Right. It, it, the way you described it, I thought was uh, was really good. It, it really, this particular story really got under my skin, and, and in part because you you know some characters are intentionally over the top, and and um, you know more uh, archetypes of people. But if, you know sometimes it's even it's even creepier and more unsettling for me to read about people that I understand their motivations because they're very human motivations, but they're just doing the wrong thing. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it just, uh, you know, I think part of it for me is unsettling because uh, we, we all can make those choices if we choose poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And feeling like you, you might know what's coming, but you're not exactly sure. And you just kind of want to keep on reading just to see if that creepy feeling is for a reason. That's like, that's gothic to me. <laughs> right. It's just that, that sense of dread. Of, mm-hmm. yeah. I wanted to ask, you have done TEDx talks. Yeah. Yeah, and, I have twice. And that one was on rejection. And, yep. and what was the other one on? The other one was on, uh, uh, you know, gender convention, um, mainly for, for young boys. And it c- came about as a result of um, one of my sons was, uh, when he was much younger, gravitated towards things that were sort of conventionally coded as feminine. And uh, I wanted to kind of, you know, puncture that and investigate that and explore that. And then I did the one on rejection because uh, the Ryerson TEDx people reached out to me and I said, I think I have a topic. They sort of left it open to me. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of getting so many rejections, I was like, this is the only thing on my mind right now. I'm sure I can talk to this. And then well, literally while I was writing the talk, um, I got uh, the, the, the HarperCollins signed, signed the book. So, uh, you know, it sort of turned into this and everything turns out great in the end, feel good story. But certainly what was not, that wasn't the plan. I mean, when I started writing the talk, it was, it was about rejection. That's how it was going to end up was that I was still learning from that. And I still am. And I think that that's, important too is that so often we hear these stories of rejection and then but then they got then this happened and this wonderful thing happened but sometimes it's you know that's not to say that you know this current book of mine is going to get picked up or that uh, the next book will be or that you know maybe I will submit it to magazines or you know contests or whatever and it won't get picked up I mean certainly being a writer is a 
it's not just all uh, going upwards. There's there's going to be ebbs and flows, and I think that that as a creative person, you have to expect that those ups and downs. Even as you are moving in an upward trajectory, there's still a little ups and downs. Do you do you feel like you're able to take rejection better now, or is is it there's still kind of that same sting? Oh, so much better. Like like oh yeah, like I feel like it's like water off a duck's back now, and to the point where, you know, I, I'm having a conversation with my agent. Am I allowed to swear on this show? Absolutely. You're okay. included. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I've been holding it in, but just in this anecdote, um, I, you know, I had work, been working on a first draft of something and my agent read it and she called and she's like, okay, so I love this. I love that. I love that. I was like, listen, just, 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 get, she's like, and she said, it's sort of like the bun of the shit sandwich. I said, yeah, just skip the bun. Just give me the straight shit. <laughs> like I don't need, I don't need that. I don't feel precious about things in the same way. I don't need, uh, I, I, I might, yeah, I'm a lot better, a lot, take criticism so much more easily, take, because it helps me. It can only help me. It doesn't help me to hear the fluff and to hear the the compliments. I mean, it's always so nice when the project's done to hear that, but early in the early stages, like just give me the straight dope, you know, and tell me what's not working so that I can work on it. And I really, truly do trust um, and I've said this many times, like editors are the unsung heroes of books and agents too. And I, I trust these people with my creative projects because they like the same, same kinds of books as me and as I, and, uh, and that they know books and they know the market and they know customers and they know readers and they, they know me. And so when they have something to say about the work, like I am listening. And the same thing goes with people who are rejecting your work. Like I feel like there's some, there's always something to be gained from that for uh so the, the people that it's for folks that are listening that are listening um there are folks that are readers and there are folks that are writers that listen to the show um for the folk for the latter what advice would you you give folks to to kind of get over that uh fear of rejection and just keep going forward gosh like, like it was it just kind of being beaten by it so many yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of <laughs> constant exposure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't. I don't think, think there's really any way to to get good at being rejected other than you get rejected. I mean, I don't think, you know, it's like you don't learn to swim by standing at the edge. You know, you got to go in. So, I mean, it sucks. It doesn't feel good. And there were there were periods where I was getting you know five or six a week, and you know, and they and 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 so often. Like the most beautifully written rejections, so often couched so kindly with such nice things to say in there. But, um, you know, you have to start to see patterns in them and what is it that they are saying and um, how can your work, how can you improve your work based on what they're saying? So, I mean, the only way to get over the fear is to put yourself out there and experience it. That's, I mean, it's not it's the ugly truth. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, I want to take a break and remind pe people that we're talking to Lori Petro. She's the author of Sister of Mine, which is a fantastic book, and I really recommend you guys go out and get it. Um, this is uh, Thrill Seekers Radio. We're a part of Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and this is a trademark copyrighted podcast solely owned by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. Um, Lori, what's your, do you have a next book that, that we can anticipate coming out? Uh, yeah, I just, I just finished something. So we're sort of in the draft stages still. Um, can't give too much away, but I'll say that there are 
you know, a lot of tension again, toxic relationships and uh, strong characters and a cringy feeling again, twist as well. Is there one title yet? I don't know if I'm allowed to give that away. Also, I'm terrible at writing titles, so I don't think anything that I call it would end up ever stick, so. Okay. Um, it's called Draft 5. I think you're going to love it. <laughs> so everyone, keep a, keep a look out for Draft 5. <laughs> um, if, if people wanted to find out more other than going to their favorite bookstore and asking for Sister of Mine, uh, what's their, the best way to find out more about you? Um, LauriePetro.com, L-A-U-R-I-E-P-E-T-R-O-U.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram and I'm on Twitter at Lori Petro. Um, no mystery there. Um, I've got a Facebook author page as well. Same name. So I try to be out there. I will apologize that we recently got kittens. And so my Instagram has been overflowing with kitten pictures. I feel like I just stopped being an author and became the owner of two kittens. <laughs> so I, that's basically what my social media is about right now. How old are your kittens? Oh, they're nine weeks old. What have you named them? I didn't name them, so I'll leave that first. But um, they're called Winky, like the erstwhile drunken elf in Harry Potter, and okay. uh, Scribbles. Nice. Scribbles, yeah. And you, Scribbles and, you, and Winky. With Scribbles, you didn't have a hand in naming that. <laughs> no, we did have a some, lot of charts going around about the names and, you know, their cute factor and their staying powder, power and their their how well they match with each other. But yeah, Scribbles and Winky, that, those were the last, uh, the, the ones that won out in the end. And, and keep in mind, it's, we don't not want to see your cat videos. They <laughs> <laughs> okay. don't not want to see them. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, you, so the last thought is you are a drinker of tea. What is your favorite tea? Oh, uh, black tea. So straight up black tea with milk. Uh, I am Canadian after all, uh, but I do go for an English breakfast um, or an Earl Grey if they've got one of those, you know, Earl Grey cream, creme, but straight up Tetley or Red Rose. So you're really like yeah. it kind of like bitter and harsh. Yep. Okay. Yep, that's true. <laughs> if anyone's curious, I'm more of a green tea person. Green tea. Oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, not like swampy green tea, but just more m mild green tea. Yeah, there's a there's a long line long line of uh, black tea drinkers in my family. I feel like uh, I, there's no escaping it. Yeah, I mean, if there's a morning because I don't drink coffee, so if there's a morning where like I need sort of a syringe full of adrenaline in my heart, I'll drink black tea. But it, unlike a yeah. normal day, it's green tea. That's um, the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Lori Petro, uh, the book is Sister of Mine. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. And um, when draft five is ready, uh, <laughs> you know. and if you're down in the we'll US, do. let me know too. I will do. Thank you so much for having me. All right. See ya. <laughs>